Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Good afternoon, everybody. It is Jay Scott. This is the Hook Rocks, the ultimate rock community podcast. Hope you're doing well. Hope you're staying safe and healthy out there. It is crazy time, crazy world. Treat each other right. Let's get through all this, and uh, let's find each other on the other side, and hopefully one day we'll be able to have normalcy into our lives, and I think we're getting closer and closer. Hopefully. Hopefully we are. Maybe I'm just uh, optimistic like to welcome in our next guest, a repeat offender, return guest to the show, the most handsome man ever to appear on the podcast, and that is Mr. Joey Casada. How are you doing, Joey? Woo-hoo-hoo! Now that's an introduction. Wow. <laughs> I'll take it. I, I can't imagine it's true, but I'll take it anyway. How are you, sir? I'm doing well, man. I'm doing well. Just uh, getting by here outside of Chicago. Hopefully, you know... Fall is now in the air, change of season. Hopefully changes uh, on the horizon. We can get back to our normal lives as closely as we can, at least, you know? I agree. I agree. It's been it's been a crazy, uh, what, almost nine months now, I guess, right? So, yeah, I mean, you know, we'll see. I'm not sure when it will be back to normal, but at least we'll be back to maybe some kind of normalcy coming up. Yeah, you know, it's it just the unknown right now. Um, I can't believe it's been nine months. Well, actually, it started in March, so it's more like six months right now. But it doesn't right, even, right. It, it just feels like the days are running together. It feels like, you know, I don't know if you've had the experience where you're trying to think of when something happened, and you're like, did that, when did that happen? Did that happen this year? Did it happen last year? Like, because there's like no, there's no time markers that you have on a normal year where you can say, oh, that was the summer, that was the spring, that was the winter. You're just like, I have no idea when that happened. I don't remember when that happened. No, you couldn't have said it any better. It, 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 you're so right. It, I've been going through so many times feeling like this whole year has just, like, been lost. It's like no events have happened, no, no big occurrences have happened because no one's been able to do anything. So it's almost like every time I think of something, I almost immediately go right back to last year. So it's, it's funny, like 2020 is like almost a wash right now. Yeah. And, you know, I, I know there's people out there that think that as soon as the calendar turns to January 1st, 2021, everything's just going to miraculously go away. And unfortunately, I don't think that's what's going to happen. I think, uh, you know, hopefully we're not going to see any significant change back to normal lives till at least spring, summer of next year unfortunately at least that's what i think just on just based on what i've read and and you know just observing people talking and the quote unquote experts telling us what's going to be happening 
yeah, I think, you know, I think, unfortunately, people are waiting for the, the big, it's over, it's done, we're back. We're, that's never going to happen. So what it's going to be is slowly getting back to our normal lives, whether it's COVID gone, whether we're just dealing with it better, whatever it's going to be. I just think it's going to be a slow transition. There's not going to be an event where someone comes on the news and says, okay, everyone, we're back. You know, it's not going to happen like that. No, no. As much as we wanted to, it's just not. But, you know, thankful to you, you've just released a new book, Wrestling with Joey, Joey Licious, and that's helped us take the, the, our minds off, or at least me, at least I can't speak for everybody else, but, you know, reading your book, I got to escape a little bit and get into the world of Joey Licious, the world of Joey Casada, and I'm thankful for that because... We, I interviewed you back in, I think it was March, with the Start With a Dream book, which was just a tremendous book. You followed up with this, which is a little bit different, obviously, and not just the subject matter, but just the story and you know the way it's written. But both tremendous books. Joey Licious is just a book that will make you laugh out loud, it, even if you're not a big wrestling fan, which I'm not. I mean, I, I was a casual fan back when I was younger with, you know, Junkyard Dog and Hulk Hogan and Andre the Giant and Mr. Wonderful and all those people back then, the Hart Foundation. And it kind of brought me back to that time, but it also is a funny story. It's like a mix between Rocky meets Private Eye, Private Eyes with, with, with Don Knotts and uh, who's, the other, who's the other guy? Um Oh, I can't. No, think. that's a good. I mean, that, that's a good way to put it. I mean, I, I do like you know in all the interviews I've been doing, I like to describe the book as Rocky meets Seinfeld. It's really you know it's it's the wacky zany characters of Seinfeld and Curb Your Enthusiasm and those types of comedies, but it's the feel good story of this underdog like Rocky. You really don't have to be a wrestling fan to enjoy the book. It's a nostalgia book. It's a feel-good book. It's a, a wacky, fun comedy. Like I said, very Seinfeld-esque, where it's it's really based on the characters, and they just happen to be in the world of wrestling. I find it because because we talked before, and I went to Catholic school. You and I are around the same age, and there's so many funny moments that I personally feel because you know going to the rectory when I was in you know, Catholic school and my mother making sure she was always at mass. And she said what she would always say novenas for me and everything. And, and <laughs> oh my God, so, funny, yes. so, so I have that connection with it, which is this, you know, the, the, it, maybe it's different for other people, but because, you know, and, and you also touch on it would start with a dream too, with, you know, the relationship with the, with the principal, the, the Catholic school. And it's just, For me, it's like on another level of connecting with a story and having friends that are similar to who you grew up with and your buddy Scally, who, you know, I can pick two or three of my old friends that are just like that, which is scary. (laughs) And but it's just it's just a tremendous and it's a quick read compared to start with a dream, which I was like, what the hell is this guy doing? He's, you know, writing over a 500 page book. This is this is about half of that, a little less than half of it. But it's a quick read. I mean, you can't. Your writing style is fantastic because it really grabs you, and it's it's just. I don't want to say simple as a bad thing, but it's not complicated. And and someone like myself, who has a short attention span, can get through this in a few days, which is which is awesome. Right. Again, I can, I can be myself, you know, even though this book is, is mostly fiction, it's, you know, semi-based on my real life, but you know, I can be myself. I can sure as hell write myself. So that's what's so good about, you know, the two books that I released. So start with a dream is an autobiography about my life in, in the music world and, and the entertainment industry. And this book is a fictitious book based on my real life where if I wasn't a musician and I didn't succeed as a musician, what would have happened if I went the route of becoming a professional wrestler? And that's kind of what this book is about. It's almost like those old comic books from the 1980s, the What If series. What if Joey Casada pursued wrestling instead of drums? And that's what this book is about. And it's funny that you mentioned, you know, the Catholic school and, and the, you know, the different things that you can relate to. When I released my first book, 
you know, I was I was assuming that, you know, all my Xerox fans and ZO2 music fans and all these people would buy the book. But what I was pleasant, pleasantly surprised to hear was that everyone that really enjoyed the book, those things were secondary. All the music stuff and the, all the, you know, time spent with rock stars on the road and all this other stuff, that almost became secondary to just my life story as a kid from Brooklyn a Catholic Italian from Brooklyn, growing up in the 80s in pop culture references of the 80s, whether it's malls or Sam Goody stores or Ticketron or Madison Square Garden. That's the same feel Joey Licious has too. Joey Licious, even though it's based in the world of wrestling, it's a very nostalgic references of when you're a kid and feel good stories of growing up in the 80s and like you said, I have characters in the book that almost everyone probably had in their life as kids. So that's really what the book is, is about. Of course, the premise of the book is me as a wannabe wrestler now in my 40s that never, never succeeded, unfortunately. And I'm still pursuing my dream. And throughout the book, these wrestling legends appear to me in my imagination to kind of guide me along my journey. It always backfires, and I always it always becomes a worse situation than where I started. But you know, I have guys like Stone Cold Steve Austin and and Hulk Hogan, and you know, all these tip, Mick Foley, all these big time wrestlers are appearing in the book to kind of help me through my journey. You know, you mentioned that it's loosely based on your life. There's some you know elements in there that are that are true. Is the wrestlers guiding you in your life the true part (laughs) (laughs) no so that obviously well i don't you know what if if i if it was i might have to go to see a psychiatrist but um the 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 real the the real stuff that's based on my my life is i absolutely adored wrestling growing up all the stuff with me and my friend scally that happens in the book a lot of that stuff is based on true stories we were really all the boys together we really got into a lot of shenanigans together. Um, we really saw Hulk Hogan win the title for the very first time together. All of that stuff really happened. You know, where, where the fictitious stuff comes in is, like I said, what if I did pursue the life of a wrestler? I never actually pursued becoming a wrestler in real life. So that's really the fictitious part. And then, of course, the wrestlers appearing to me in my imagination. Even though my wife says that is kind of coming true because I'm really just having these guys appear with me on my show to uh, kind of play with. Yeah, and I like how you incorporate what you've done on your show with the book, too, as well. So that's really where the book started. So obviously, you know, you know, Wrestling with Joey Licious is a TV concept. You can find the episodes on Amazon Prime right now streaming. They're also on my YouTube page. There's five short episodes, you know, from six to eight minutes long. They're really quick watches. They're fun episodes. They're little clips featuring me and some of the wrestlers that I named as me and Mick Foley, me and Roddy Piper, me and the Iron Sheik, Tito Santana, Jimmy Snooker, Nikolai Volkov, all these 80s wrestling legends. Same thing like as in the book, they appear to me in my imagination. So the book, the way it started was because of COVID, where we started this conversation, unfortunately, all production for the show you know, cease to exist. No production companies were taking meetings. No TV networks wanted to hear about a new TV show that they, that we needed to produce because production shut down. Hollywood shut down. So what I, what I and my partner decided to do, we already had the whole entire first season of Joey Licious scripted out. So we said, okay, well, while we're in COVID and we can't produce a television show, let's take our scripts and turn it into a novel. So what you're reading is basically what would happen in the first season of Wrestling with Joey Licious. What you read in the first book, because what you mentioned on my, my initial book, Start With a Dream, was so big, we actually took the first season and broke it up into two parts. So Wrestling with Joey Licious, the book, part two, will be coming shortly. And you'll see how the real first season ends. Yeah, I was really upset about that when I got to the end of the book. I was reading, and I don't, I don't want to give too much away, but... You know, as I'm reading and I'm seeing like, okay, there's only a, a few more pages left here. How's this going? This, this, you can't wrap this up. I'm like, how, how is this going right. to, and then you get the to be continued at the end. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> suddenly I feel like I'm in an episode of Young and the Restless or Days of Our Lives where I got to wait, you know? Perfect. But, 
you, you know, I always judge a book and how it makes me feel and how it can bring the atmosphere to the room I'm in when I'm reading it. You know, when we talk about Start With a Dream, I could feel myself going back to those record stores that I visited when I was a kid. I could feel myself in clubs with my buddies who were in bands and listening to, to their music, and I could smell it and I could taste it. And that's such a, 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 a tremendous way to capture a reader when a writer does that. Similar to that with Joey Licious, I could feel the smell or, or, or sense the smell of the old Catholic schools because I went to Catholic school when you guys are wrestling in the gymnasiums at the, at the school. I can, you know, because they all have got that unique smell that is unlike no other. When you walk into like an old Catholic school, it just has this fragrance that's like a mix between like urine and like that stuff that they used to put on like the, 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 the throw up when a kid would throw up in the hallway. Oh, you remember that powder stuff? They yeah, the, the like, pink powder. <laughs> but that's how. No, but you're so right. Again, that's one of the best compliments I've ever heard. I try to again. I'm Joey from Brooklyn, so you know I'm not a novelist. I'm not a writer. I'm I'm a guy from Brooklyn. I'm a drummer. I'm a, a wrestling fan. What I like to do is what and what I can do and what I'm hoping I'm doing is bringing you into whatever I'm talking about. You know, I can tell a great story. Can I write a great story? Well, all I'm doing is really writing down how I talk. It's, it's the same dialogue, the same emphasis, the same inflections that I would use in everyday conversation. I'm not the best writer in the world. I have, you know, a million spell check issues and grammar issues as I'm writing. But, you know, luckily for, with computers, th those get corrected by the computer. So I don't have to worry about that. But what I can do is speak like a real person. And I find so many books out there hard to read because the writer doesn't speak in a normal voice. They try to speak at you instead of with you. And that's the one thing I always can do when I write. I, I feel like I'm very conversational. Not because I'm intentionally being conversational. Only because that's what I know how to do. I'm a, I'm a conversational person. I can talk, and I love to talk, as you can tell. And I love doing interviews and chatting with people. So to tell a story in a book, it's the same thing. I'm just writing it down on a, on you know on a word doc. That's so true. I was going to say that it, reading your books is like being involved in a conversation, and I think that's why the books are so quick when you're reading them. You know, they fly by. You know, because it's like a conversation, like you're on the phone with somebody and it feels like five minutes and you've been on the phone for two hours. You know, I mean, that's kind of how it feels. That's kind of, you know, when I would whenever I would take in Joey Licious or start with a dream, I would lose track of time because it felt like I was listening to somebody talk and you, you describe it perfectly. But, yeah, I mean, it's so awesome when I can smell that school, you know, in that gymnasium and I can feel, you know, what the because because I've been in you know, Catholic school gymnasiums for the first part of my life. You know, I played basketball. I, you know, went to different schools and they all smelled the same. They all had the same paint. They all had the same windows. <laughs> it, it's just, you feel that. Um, I don't know if anybody gets that who didn't, who's never been to a, a Catholic school, but you definitely paint a picture where people can get a clear description of what's going on. Well, what I like to do too is I had such a, amazing childhood, whether it was with friends and family and all this stuff. I love to paint the picture of kids like us that grew up in the eighties. There were so many things, you know, we didn't have iPads and all that stuff. We had what we had. We had, you know, our Walkmans and we had, like you said, we used to live in our gymnasiums and stuff like that. So I love to reference all the stuff that I can still remember or smell or taste all throughout my childhood when I'm writing, sometimes I don't even remember things until I start jotting them down. You know, even something like the throw powder you were just talking about. I wish I would have remembered that as I was writing it because I would have loved to include included that because as soon as you said it, I got that whiff in my nostril as soon as you said it and it brought, brought me right back to being in the hallway with some stupid bastard throwing <laughs> up in front of me and then having to, to sprinkle the, the throw powder on it. But that's what I like to do. You know, in the 80s were such a magical time. You know, maybe it was for everyone, I'm not sure, but for me, growing up in the 80s was such a magical time. I love to bring people back to that time, whatever what I'm writing. Even like the old 80s movies, I love showing my kids 
the old 80s movies like Stand By Me or Goonies or we just watched E.T. the other night for the first time. There's a feel to these movies that captures some kind of youthful innocence that I don't think we have anymore and I don't think kids today have anymore that only people from our generation can really relate to. I agree. I think our generation is the last generation to have that innocence for a longer period of time. Now kids are so connected on social media or the internet, they can find things that were not readily accessible when we were growing up. And I think that makes a huge difference in how kids view things and how kids engage in conversation. It's a lot different. You know, I have a 15-year-old, and he's a lot different at this age than I was when, when I was his age growing up. You know, I mean, I was staying at home by myself because both my parents worked when I was 11 years old. You know, my mom, right. don't, don't let anybody in, don't answer the phone, you know, and, and that's what I did. I never answered the door. I never answered the phone. I'd sit there for two and a half hours, and then she'd call me, take out the chicken. It's frozen. I got to, you know, cook that or whatever, <laughs> you know. So, so, but we had, we had, not so much that we were independent, but we were, we had a little bit more responsibility at an earlier age for ourselves, right? Now parents kind of hover over their kids and they're on top of their kids and they don't let them breathe and they don't let them develop that responsibility. I couldn't agree with you more. Everything you just said, I went through. I was home by myself all afternoon and, you know, I could never imagine letting, you know, letting my kids be alone, you know, at a time with no one being home. It just wouldn't happen today. Oh, if it's because the world has shrunk because of social media and, you know, the, we, we realize there's a lot more terrors in the world and bad people in the world. Or maybe, you know, our parents were just more carefree. I'm not sure what it is, but whatever it was back in the 80s, we just had this youthfulness about us, but yet still independent and mature. And it, it's something that I love to write about. And I don't intentionally write about it. Like I said, I just write from experience. I, I don't know if I could you know, write a science fiction story, even though I do have a science fiction comic book out right now too on Amazon. But, you know, I, I'm not great at painting stuff that I don't know. So if it's something that I'm familiar with, I, I, can, I think I can paint a nice picture with a nice broad stroke. And luckily, Joey Licious is that world. You know, not only the nostalgia part that we're talking about as is, is growing up as 80s kids, but the world of wrestling, I'm so familiar with it. And it's been such an easy way to write and get all this stuff out because I love that world. I grew up in it and I still, you know, I'm still immersed in it. I'm still a big wrestling fan to today. And to kind of imagine myself as one of those wrestlers in that world, it was a pretty easy write for me. So I enjoy doing stuff like that. And so far, so good. Everyone's enjoying it, which it's crazy. It's crazy that it was the number one wrestling book in the country for the first two weeks that it was on its release on Amazon. Now, I'm talking, I beat guys like Jim Ross, Chris Jericho, The Young Bucks, even Pro Wrestling Illustrated Magazine. Somehow, I beat all of those books the first few weeks that my book was out. So the response has been incredible. Do you find that the connection you have with wrestling is very similar to the connection you have with music? Yeah, again, going back, you know, I hate to keep going back to the 80s, but I think pop culture in the 80s, whether it was Kiss or wrestling or comic books or Star Wars or, or Saturday morning cartoons, all of that stuff, everyone I feel like that enjoyed one of those things, and if you grew up in the 80s and didn't enjoy, enjoy one of the things I just mentioned, something was probably wrong with you. <laughs> so... If you enjoyed one of those things, I think more than likely you enjoyed almost all of those things or at least can associate with all of those things because I think the fandom of the 80s kids like us is the biggest fandom ever. I think the way we grew up and became fans of something, we became fans for life. I'm a fan for Kiss for life. I'm a fan of wrestling for life. I'm a fan of comic books for life. And all of that stuff I got introduced to in the early 80s. Nowadays, I think a kid will like the new Avengers movie, but then next week they might still forget about it and watch the new YouTube sensation or this and that. It's not like it was where, you know, you were all consumed with what you loved. 
And I think that's why I can relate to the rock world with these wrestling stories, the way I'm, re- I'm relating to the wrestlers in, in this world. So it's easy because I think it's the same fan base. Kiss fans, I think, are wrestling fans and are Star Wars fans and are comic book fans. So that whole genre of pop culture, I think everyone can enjoy. I think it's about the accessibility with today's generation. When we were growing up in the 80s, you you mentioned Star Wars. You know, when that was on TV, if you were not home that night, you missed it. Or if there was a wrestling match on that night, you missed it. You know, of course, there was the, you know, the the VCR that came along in, you know, the mid-80s and and, and, and beyond. But for the most part, you you had to be there. And it, it gained an appreciation for whatever you were listening to. You think about a song that you wanted to hear on the radio, right? You had to wait and have the radio on in order for you to hear the song. You know, now you can go on the computer and you can download a bunch of music in, in an afternoon and you can have you know, a hundred hours worth of music in just an instant. Now, back then you bought one album and you had to enjoy that album for however long it took to get the next album, which was usually a month later or a few months later, whenever it was. So there wasn't a sense of, you know, we all needed to have it back then, right? We needed to have it. But once we had it, we had to appreciate it. Where I think now the reason why everything is so short in terms of how much attention is given to it is because, it's so accessible and it's not special. You know what I mean? Like everything's felt special. Like you mentioned star Wars, cartoons, comic books, you know, movies, music, kiss wrestling, that all felt special because it was on one day or two days of the week, the video, you didn't know when the video for kiss was going to be on. So you had to wait. And that, and that waiting helped you appreciate it. Absolutely. I agree with everything you just said. I think, you know, I can picture myself as a kid having the new kiss record in my hand, and I would literally stare at the record, the vinyl, you know, the, the jacket, the in-sleeve, for weeks at a time. I would listen to that record for weeks upon end and just read every single note and every single credit on that liner note over and over and over again and stare at the pictures. And, you know, I was absolutely consumed with that. Same thing with television. You'd have a certain amount of episodes of, you know, rock and wrestling on TV or a certain amount of episodes of Transformers, you, you would memorize all of your favorite things. Whereas today you have so much that you have to consume. It's impossible to enjoy something as much as we enjoyed stuff back then. And I'm not knocking it. Don't get me wrong. I, I'm, I'm a victim of it as myself. Very rarely will I ever, I, not rarely, I will never get into something new like I got into back then because I, I'm the same way as a kid today. I'm on to the next thing. I listen to Spotify all day. I'll do songs or shuffles or whatever it is. Very rarely am I, like, even the new Ace Frehley album that just came out. Yeah, I listened to it once already, but I'm not consumed by it. I'll probably put it on again as a playlist, but I'm not staring at the jacket and learning every lyric and riff and, you know, everything that happened. So, you know, it, it's hard to say that a kid today is ever going to like stuff the way we like it. But I get it. They have their advantages too. You know what I would have given to have YouTube as a kid? Imagine having YouTube and been able to go on to see any live concert you ever wanted to see. It's incredible. But there's a sacrifice too, because like we said, you don't appreciate it because you have too much. It's almost like that spoiled kid that has too many toys to play with. He doesn't appreciate that one toy Growing up, I remember my one toy that I savored beyond all my other toys was my Voltron action figure, my my Voltron Lions, the die-cast Lions. And I savored it because I didn't have a lot of toys. So I knew that was my favorite, and I played with it every day. If I would have had 7,000 toys, I wouldn't have been able to appreciate it as much. So I understand the gripes of today's world. Voltron was the underground transformer that was like what what people watched who weren't transformer fans was voltron <laughs> well voltron was first right yes so, yes but i always like i always liked him more than transformers i thought the stories were a little bit more engaging in a transformer they get into trouble and they would just transform into whatever where voltron like was you know there was more storyline to it i felt 
not even looking back again, I'm still, like I said before, everything I loved as a kid, I still am so passionate about today. I'm a huge big time eighties cartoon buff. So I can still watch the old Voltron series today. It lives up. Some of the stuff from the eighties, I was a tremendous transformer fan as a kid too. But looking back, you're so right. The Transformers cartoon series doesn't live up storyline-wise today as some of the others. Even a show like He-Man, He-Man, the storylines are still great today. Whereas I watched some of the Thundercat episodes that I loved as a kid, they don't hold up as much. So it's funny, when you're a kid, you don't realize as much you know, the, the significance of deep storylines. But today, I can appreciate that stuff more. As we go in and like deep storylines, your your book Start with a Dream talks about the relationship you had with your mother and how close you were and the impact she had on your life. You included her as one of the main characters in the Joey Licious book. Is that a way to help you keep her memory and her closeness with you? Um, you know what? Subconsciously, it probably is. Uh, I just couldn't. There was no way for me to tell this Joey Licious story with me and my buddy Scally without having my mom involved. Because my, like, I, you know, as you read, start with the dream, my mom was the biggest part of my life, you know, out of anyone growing up. And she was every part of my life. So to have a story based on those years of my life and not have my mom involved, I don't even know if I'd be able to tell it, even if it is part fiction. So especially and if she was here today, she would tell you all the shenanigans that Scat, my buddy Scally and I got into as kids where my mom had to scream and yell at us. You know, I'll tell a story. This is not part of the first Joe Relations book, but it is in part of the second book. There's a flashback where Scally and I legitimately were altar boys together. And my mom was so proud of me. And she brought all of her friends to see me at church and you know, proud of her little boy serving math, math, you know, little boy of God. And Scally and I being the goofy morons that we are, you know, we, we got into a laughing fit earlier that day in class and it carried over into math. And unfortunately, we just couldn't stop laughing. You know, you ever be in a situation where someone super strict tells you stop laughing? Yes. It's the worst thing possible because now all you're going to do is laugh. So we had this priest on the altar with us, yelling at us in front of a, a full church of people, stop laughing. And it just, you know, snowballed out of control. And he literally threw us off the altar. So, you know, times like that, I have to retell because my mom was legitimately part of that. So I had to have her in, in this story as this, this grounding figure for these morons of what Joey Licious and Scally are. So my funny altar boy story is I was seventh or eighth grade. It was a hot summer day, and it was the Saturday evening mass that sometimes they have before the Sunday masses. Sure. And my mother made dinner. She made pasta before we went there. And I'm in, you know, it's hot. I got the altar boy garb on. I'm sitting in the pew with my two buddies on the side of the altar, and all of a sudden, I got, I got to, I feel gas coming on. Right. And I'm like, I'm like, I'm like, I just got to hold it in or let it out really slow. So no one hears it or anything like that. So I'm sitting there trying to game plan how I'm going to let this fart out of my ass. And the, the doors are open cause it's hot. And there was a little bit of a breeze and something picked up and I got a sneeze coming. So I sneeze. And at the same time I fart except the fart was louder than the sneeze and it echoed off the, uh. off the wooden pew and every head <laughs> in the church turned in unison at the same time to look at me. And I just look at my mother in the back of the church doing a face palm as she's just like looking at me, like my son just ruined mass because of this fart sneeze that was just louder than anything could possibly be. <laughs> Again, I can relate to too because I have so many of those mass stories. There's a story in my Start with the Dream book where every um, Christmas, you know, you'd go to, or was it Easter? God, I don't remember now. You'd go to Midnight Mass, and there was a Midnight Mass every year, and all of my friends would go. And, it was, you know, it was more of a social gathering than anything else. You know, and as we got older, 
we would have drinks and, you know, some beers in the parking lot and 40 ounces and stuff like that. And my one moron friend snuck his 40 ounce into church with him. And something happened that, you know, we were goofing around in the back and one of us pushed each other and he dropped the 40 ounce right in the back of the church. Now, picture what a sound that hit that hit when that 40 ounce hit that floor. Picture the sound that echoed through that church. Oh, man. Every eyeball turned around and looked at us like we were the devil. So, you know, these are the times, you know, as bad as that story is and as bad as, you know, the community thought we were as kids back then, I wouldn't give up that memory for all the, you know, the the prayers in the world. It was a great time to live and have fun and, you know, get in trouble and goof around as a kid. And that's kind of what my books are all about. My books are all about, think about all the 80s sitcoms and all the 80s movies that you know and love with the boys and get there that get into trouble and you know they have fun and you know whether it's from porkies or stand by me and all these fun shenanigans that these kids get into that's what my books are all about and that's what wrestling with joey luscious is it's basically kids from the 80s you know getting into trouble it's flashbacks and telling all the stories back then to growing up and you know what we never really grew up we're still those bad kids from the 80s and that's really what my life is today yeah, the, the, the mischievous never leaves you that you had in the 80s, right? Even though we're adults now and we have kids and we got responsibility, there's always that little bit of mischief that we have in there that we never lose. And why, you know what, to me, you know, everyone always says, oh, grow up, do this. Why? Why should we lose it? Why should we grow up? You know, I could have never imagined a better life for myself. You know, I grew up a certain way and I'm still that person. I have the same values. I have the same enjoyment. I have the same personality. I have the same um, things that I find funny. A, a fart is still funny to me. You just told me a fart story. I was hysterical laughing. So why should we grow up? We're having, you know, we had a great youth. And just because I'm older now doesn't mean I can't think and have fun and, and be, a, you know, a, a stuck up, you know, stick up the ass grown up. For what? I have kids. I, I'm still a parent. I, I teach them values, but my parents just, well, my mom anyway, my mom taught the same values to me that I still hold dearly that I'm teaching to my kids. It doesn't mean that I can't also teach my kids to have fun and be a little mischievous, which my wife yells at me all the time about. But, you know, that's what it's all about. Again, that's what fun storytelling is about, too. It's, you know, the straight lace story is not the fun story. Orkies, you know, um, when the kids are bad in ET and they're, you know, they're sneaking ET away from the scientists. That's the fun stuff. You don't want to read a story about, you know, it's a comedy. It's a fun, you know, feel good piece. You don't want to feel uh, a lesson being taught and me preaching to you. I'm just trying to make you laugh. That's all I'm doing. You mentioned the underground wrestling organizations in the book, Joylicious. There's one in particular, obviously that's in the book. How prevalent are those still? I know they were they were big back, you know, in the 80s and in the 70s. Are they still popular? Because, you know, we have a little bit of it here in Chicago. You know, I imagine they have some on the East Coast. But what's the impact that those underground wrestling organizations have on, on pro wrestling? Yeah, those leagues are still all throughout the country, still as bigger, maybe bigger than ever, underground wrestling leagues and indie wrestling leagues. The league that I feature in my book is called Brawl, Brooklyn's Really Awesome Wrestling League. And it's a completely fictitious league, but it's, it's the league that, you know, I created for Joeylicious. And, you know, it's really based on, I remember being a kid in grammar school, in Catholic grammar school, and every once in a while, we would have indie wrestling in our gymnasium. And it was the greatest thing in the world to me because I was already a, a, a giant wrestling fan, but and I would go to Madison square garden all the time to see the big event. And I saw Hogan win the title and I saw Andre the giant live. And, but I was always in the nosebleed seats. I could never see these guys. It was miserable. But when I, when the indie wrestling came around, we would always get like one or two quasi yes, the year stars. I would always get like a guy like Ox Baker or, um, I think we even maybe had Abdul the Butcher once. So when we got to see them in our gymnasium up close, it was the thrill of a lifetime for me. 
And that's kind of what I wanted to tell about in this book. It's, it's a very fun story about the indie wrestling leagues, as well as it is, you know, all the other stuff I talked about in this interview. It's a fun look at the inner workings of what goes on in indie wrestling leagues. And I did a lot of research for it and stuff. And I know guys that are part of indie wrestling leagues. So I kind of took a little piece of all the information and the leagues that I know of personally and kind of built this fictitious league, Brawl, Brooklyn's really awesome wrestling league. And it's all about how Joey Licious still wrestles in grammar schools and he's hoping to graduate one day, hopefully to wrestle in high school gyms and bigger gymnasiums and, you know, maybe eventually become a wrestling superstar. But it's the fun climb up that wrestling ladder, starting from the lowest rung of the ladder, which is wrestling for 30 people, you know, grammar school kids, nuns, and, you know, bums inside a school gymnasium. And that's really what the wrestling, underground wrestling leagues are still like today. You can go across the country and see, you know, at your local Knights of Columbus or your local bingo hall or your local VFW, you'll see wrestling events all over the place. I've got some ideas for some names of some signature moves Joey Licious could could do. <laughs> Give it to me. So the first one I thought of was this is like your patent move. This is the one that all the fans come to see. This is what they want, and it's called the Pasta Vazul. <laughs> I like it. What's the move? It's kind of like a suplex kind of type move, similar to that, but you can put your own signature on it and add a couple things into it. The other one. Well, there's two moves. That, oh, I'm sorry, guys. Got another one. I like. I, I got, I, the other move I had is called the Gubba Gall. Okay. <laughs> the Gubba Gall is like an elbow. You know, kind of like the elbow down on the on the guy's head. You know, like oh, here comes the joylicious Gubba Gall. You know, kind of like that, and that <laughs> paralyzes the guy. Then you can get on top of him, and then the guy can he can tap out. I love it. I mean, you're obviously right on the same wavelength as me because Joey Licious, you know, Joey Licious really started in, in my old show Z-Rock when we had Chris Jericho on the episode. And, you know, we one of the moves that I used in that episode was called the garlic knock. And it was, you know, literally my, my disgusting, you know, because I do actually smell like garlic all the time from my my wife's and my mother, my mother my mother's cooking all my life. So when I get someone in a headlock, my, my disgusting underarm odor smells like garlic and it kind of <laughs> renders them uh, unconscious. So that was one move I used in Z-Rock. And one of the other moves I actually talk about, in, I think it's in the second uh, the second Joey Licious book. When I was a kid, my nickname was Sada, short for Casada. Right. And my one of my moves that I had was called the Super Sada. Yeah. So like the Super Sada. So <laughs> we're, we're right on the same wavelength. It's so funny. But what's cool about the Pasta Vazul is like when the stadium's cheering for it, they're like Pasta Vazul, you know, and it kind of it kind of creates this this tremor. I love it. Yeah, Pasta Pasta Vazul, you know. So I think I think these are promising, Joey. I think you should you should consider them. Um, Listen, I might have to hire you as one of the writers once we start production up again. I, I'd love to have your board. Hey, hey, I got way more coming from that. There's a lot that I had to cut from the list too. I just wanted to just name the top two. You know, so no, yeah. but I mean, if you enjoyed, like I said, if you enjoyed the first Joey Licious book, you're gonna real. I mean, you saw how the epilogue kind of ends off with, you know, not to give anything away, but Chris Jericho appears in the epilogue, and you know, we kind of take a bite off the Rocky storyline where there's a chance Joey Licious gets a shot at the title coming up. So that's kind of how the first book is gonna leave off, and then the second book is going to really dive into that Rocky storyline of when Apollo gave Rocky a shot at the title. So we're going to see a lot more shenanigans, a lot more 80s wrestling legends appearing. Chris Jericho himself will be a big, big part of the second book. The real Chris Jericho, not the imagination Chris Jericho. So it's going to be more of the same. It's, you know, think of it as a one book series, but just broken up into two parts. I don't want to give away too much, but I'm just interested to see how you get back to your, your hometown. <laughs> You'll see. <laughs> so when is when can we expect part two? That's a good question. So part two is, is already completely written. Um, it's just that we're still formatting it. We're still, you know, 
we wanted to see how part one did first. You know, I could have easily released it as one part. But, you know, I wanted to break it off. Like you said, it's an easy, quick read. You know, during COVID, I know everyone's on Zoom and everyone's on this. And everyone's cooped up in front of their laptop or stuff all day long. Not many people are traveling on the train or planes and stuff where they really can dive into a big, good book. So we wanted to split it up. That way you can read it in the backyard for a few minutes, a couple chapters, and kind of pick it back up. So, you know, we're going to let this one breathe a little while. We'll probably have the new one out. Maybe for the new year, maybe for the Christmas season, depending on, you know, how long the legs last on this one. And, you know, depending on when production for the actual series starts up again. So, you know, it all depends on, the you know, supply and demand. The book is ready to go. The story has already been told. You know, it's just a matter of when we're going to release it. And if you were to look, you know, to the future after part two, when can we expect the walk around pork recipe book? <laughs> well, it's funny you should mention that, though. So, you know, on Amazon.com right now, you know, I have all my merch up now. So I have a lot of Wrestling with Joey Licious merch up there right now. There's the Wrestling with Joey Licious logo T-shirt. There's the Wrestling with Joey Licious with Joey Licious on the, his face, you know, holding his ears on, on the cover and like the book cover. There's even a Brawl Brooklyn Reason, Brooklyn's Really Awesome Wrestling League shirt for sale. You know, I have a couple of Z-Rock shirts for sale. And I am working on a walking around park shirt. So, you know, the walking around park is, is, has taken a life of its own from Xerox. So there will be some merch coming out, maybe with some walking around park and maybe even that'll be featured in an episode of zero of Joey Lish is coming up. I know I've, you, you, we, we talked on Facebook and you were like, come up with a design. So I got my buddy like working on a design to send you. <laughs> Dude, let me know. I'm waiting on it. I told you I'm waiting for you to design it. I, I do. We also have to talk about, you know, are we talking about, you know, fried pork? Are we talking about pork chop pork? Are we talking about Italian sausage pork? You know, what kind I mean, of porks go I into mean, this? Listen, pork is pork. You know, if you can, if it's travel pork, it's walking around pork. It doesn't matter. The uh-huh. pork that I was eating the day on the set of Xerox, and it's so funny, the way Xerox was written, and I'm sure, you know, I, I've said this a million times in a million interviews, but Xerox was completely improv. You know, we'd have a basic structure. And, you know, we kind of just go with it. And that day on set, we broke for lunch. And one of the producers and myself, you know, we went to this this little, this little, uh, I forget what kind of store it was. It was some, I forget what it had, but they had like these little takeout carry around containers that you could get, you know, little like fried pork and a little, uh, you know, pork and some like beautiful sauce. And there was just all different kinds of stuff that you could literally just, have a to-go container of and we got a couple of them just for lunch and we were walking around with them and we were like oh we got to just leave this in the in the in the skit right now and we just left it in the skit and that's how it started that it was just organic like that i find that tremendous that's a, that was one of my favorite scenes in in z-rock is the walk around <laughs> pork joey it's been a blast thank you very much for doing it the book again once uh for everybody is wrestling with joey Licious. It's a great book. It's a great read. It's a great companion piece to his first book, Start With a Dream. I suggest you go out and buy it. Joey, go ahead and plug your stuff before we end. You can get the book, you know, as well as my old book, Start With a Dream. You can get Wrestling With Joey Licious on Amazon.com right now. It's a super cheap buy. It's like twelve ninety nine on Amazon. If you have Prime, it's free shipping. It's a fun, quick read. Same thing with all the T-shirts and merch. You can get all of that stuff, one-stop shopping on Amazon.com. You can even go on Amazon and see the Wrestling with Joey Licious shorts we've been discussing. You can stream it on Amazon Prime for free if you have Prime. So, you know, the whole world of Joey Licious kind of lives on Amazon right now, which is great for us. And you can also find me on social media, at Joey Casada across all the platforms, J-O-E-Y. C-A-S-S-A-T-A across all the platforms. I am selling autographed copies of Joey Licious. If you want to contact me on social media, we can get a book shipped right out to you. But everything and everything, you know, I do and promote is always on my, my Instagram page and or Facebook or Twitter. So find me there. Come say hello. I'm doing free giveaways all the time, whether it's books or merch and stuff like that. Go out, please check out the book. And if you do wind up reading it, reach out to me. I'd love to know what you think. Awesome. Remember, Gabagool and Pasta Vizul. Think about it. Dude, I love it. I'm going to steal it. 
I'm gonna. I'm, you got to edit that out of this podcast so I can steal it with it royalty free. <laughs> Don't worry about it, Joey. It's been a blast. Thank you very much for doing this. Take care, everybody. We will talk again soon. Thank you. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.